If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. When I wake up, well, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who wakes up next to you. When I go out, yeah, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who goes along with you. Oklahoma moves to 1 and 0 on the season with a epic 73 to nothing win over Arkansas State. What's up everybody? This is the Sooner Nation podcast. Matt Hofeld here with you. I hope you had a great great Labor Day weekend. I'll tell you who did not uh, enjoy their Labor Day weekend. That was Butch Jones. Um I, and we'll start here. We'll start with Butch Jones. Obviously upset, emotional on the sideline after watching his team get absolutely shellacked uh, by the Sooners. And here's the thing. I feel like I'm a compassionate guy. In my real job, in the real world, I deal with compassionate situations all the time. No love loss. No love loss whatsoever for Butch Jones after his team got absolutely thrashed by the Sooners on Saturday. Now, I will say this uh, to his credit. Post-game, Butch Jones said all the right things. He went all the right places. I mean, talked about the speed, talked about the turnaround, talked about the transition. And, and with the, you know, we talked about pre, pre-game, we talked about the transition on this football roster. 53% of the roster is brand new from 2022 to 2023. 53%. More than half of your guys are brand new. And and it makes a difference. And, and w- one of the things we wondered was how much would the new blood make a difference? And it was epic. And here's what you really got to look at. The team speed, way better than what they were last year. Butch Jones even said it himself, uh, the transition in speed from what they saw on film in 2022 to what happened on the field in 2023, night and day difference. And that makes a difference. But you know what else was different was the aggressiveness of this team, Uh, the chippiness even on both sides of the ball, but particularly on the defense where you got new guys like Gentry Williams who – who was just getting started in his career, first ever start for the Crimson and Cream. Then you got guys like Reggie Pearson, Desan McCullough. You got this Jaron Kanek in the middle, new guy starting. And basically what you're seeing is the, um, man, I hate to say it in, in these terms, but really it's what it is. You're seeing the purge of Lincoln Riley's guys and Lincoln Riley's mindset and the adaptation of Brent Venables guys, Jeff Levy guys, Ted Roof guys, and that mindset that they want. And here's the thing. You know, players and teams, they take on the personality of their coach. 
They do. And we, well, we know what, what is a proven fact about Lincoln Riley is that he is a soft dude. He's soft. Whether we're talking about uh, moving out of the University of Oklahoma to go to the, the, the Pac-12 so he doesn't have to join the SEC or whether we're talking about strength and conditioning and finesse play calling, finesse offense that sometimes is a really, really electrifying but sometimes gets overwhelmed by physical defenses. We saw that in the Big 12 uh, with Baylor. We saw that in the uh, – we saw you saw it in the Pac-12 last year with the Utah twice. The Utah game, both of those um, just got too physical – for Lincoln Riley, he's a soft guy, soft mindset. The team takes on that personality. Um, now we're seeing that purged out, and we're starting to see uh, this team take on the personality of their new coach. Now, will that be enough to get them through a perfect season and into the college football playoff? Probably not in year number two. But is it enough for me as a guy who's watched this team for many, many years, who has been a, a semi-journalist for many, many years, and then just a guy who has a fan blog or a website or a podcast or whatever, I've never seen OU come out of the gate like this. And if you say you have, you're a liar. You, we have never seen an OU team shoot out of the gate like they did on Saturday to the tune of 73 to nothing. And when we talk about teams taking on the personality of their coach, let's not forget the, the history with Butch Jones. You had a little bit of chippiness when he was the head coach at Cincinnati. You got Bob Stoops going out there. They get the road win in Cincinnati. Do you remember Jay Norvell getting into some things with the, with the players? Um, from the Bearcats, some defensive guys kind of jawing on the sidelines with them. And then, you know, the, the players kind of playing the victim card because the coach was talking down to them. And then Butch Jones is at Tennessee and the whole Eric Stryker, you know, I think, I think Zach Sanchez was involved in that with basically Butch Jones accosting Eric Stryker after the game, uh, telling him to be a better person than what he is. You know, you're a heck of a player, but you need to be a better person or, or whatever, run in your mouth or be humble or whatever he said. Again, victim mentality. So when you see him emotional on the sideline, it has to drop to a knee and then a player comes and puts his arm around him and helps him gets up and walks off. I again I don't feel sorry for him. I, I don't. There there is zero love lost. I wanted 80 points. 73 wasn't satisfactory enough for me, but 73 will have to do. Oklahoma just completely completely demoralized uh Arkansas State. The the uh, Red Wolves were outmatched every position, every I mean just even even when when Oklahoma, what you saw was the the difference in depth. You know what you saw from Jackson Arnold was something this team just didn't have at all last year in a backup quarterback. What you saw from some of the backup receivers, backup running backs, backup defensive guys, you just saw. We've been using this phrase competitive depth, competitive depth, competitive depth. We've been using that so much. Um, you, you actually saw it. You saw it. So I, I want to start with uh, with a true or false statement we picked up uh, from from Nick um, on Twitter. And Nick actually sent this uh, near the end of August um, as we're getting ready to start the podcast back up. By the way, you can participate um, in the Sooner Nation podcast with your true or false statements by hitting us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland, at Sports Heartland on Twitter, and then uh, email the old-fashioned way, uh, heartland underscore sports at yahoo.com. But Nick says this, back back at the, the last week of August, Nick said, uh, true or false, Oklahoma will win 10 games this season. 
then before the season started, I wanted to say true. I think the official over under on wins for Oklahoma was nine and a half, which makes sense because everybody's saying that this is a, a, a team that could, should, potentially will win 10 games. The schedule sets up good for them and so forth. Um, but when you see what that product looked like on the field, and again, I know there's the danger to buy into it too much because it was Arkansas State. But the reality is, this has never been done. The, the biggest margin of victory ever, uh, I think in 106 years of Oklahoma football, that's the largest margin of victory that we've seen in a season opener at home. So I think there's something different about this team that is completely noticeable that would make you almost a fool to take the under at nine and a half at this point. Now, we got to kind of stake our bet before the season starts, uh, and that's what we're doing here. But the re- the reality is, I think I, I would have been over picking the over before this game even started. Now that we've seen the product on the field, there's no way you can't. you got to say 10 wins. Uh, if, if you get to nine wins, it's a decent season. If you get to 10 wins, it's a good season. If you're below those that threshold, it's probably a disappointing season. I think you just have to go that way. Um, I think the, the big thing for Brent Venables is to finish above 500. And, uh, man, I, again, you tell me. I, I know there's some there are some um, complaints about the defense because of pressure. I started to say, you tell me what you saw in this game on Saturday that makes you think they can't have a winning season. The real answer is nothing. There's nothing that happened on Saturday that would make you think this team's not going to have a winning season. But the complicated, over-the-top fan answer is going to be, well, they didn't really get a lot of pressure on the quarterback. They didn't They didn't get disruptive in the backfield. And here's the reality. I mean, if you want the reality of that situation is this. Now, if you want to if you want to have a reason to complain, just don't even listen to what I'm going to say over the next 20 25 seconds. But if you want the real reason why that was, it, it's twofold. The first is very little stunting, hardly no blitzing. I'd have to go back and look. I don't even know that they blitzed one time in that game. And then Arkansas State's and Max Protect most of the time and so you're, you've got more guys back blocking than what Oklahoma's bringing. And, and here's the thing. Well, why would they do that? Why would they do that? Okay, first of all, you're not a coach. I'm not a coach. They are. They know what they need to see in game one. And in my humble opinion, the guy who sits on the sideline and watches now, they wanted to see how well these defensive backs could cover. They wanted to see what these guys could do if they got their coverage schemes down right. Where are they in position? Can they turn their hips? Can they rotate? Can they get the call? Can they get the signal? They wanted these defensive backs to get a workout, linebackers out of the flat to get a workout before you play SMU, who's going to throw the ball all over the place on Saturday. That's why there was very little uh, stunting, no blitzing, even though it was max protect all afternoon for Arkansas State. All right, I'm gonna go over. I made five. I made some predictions uh, before the game. I'm gonna tell you about those predictions and how how wrong I was, and then I got some observations uh, from what we learned about this team, um, and then we turn the page to SMU after this. Thanks so much for tuning in uh, to the Sooner Nation podcast. So before the game um, last week, I I made five predictions. Five predictions, uh, things we would see um, for the. Um, Arkansas State game. And you know what? 
it didn't go too well. Uh, so he, here's what I had. Uh, I had um, Oklahoma's defense will produce three turnovers. Nope. Uh, they had one. And, um, and again, I think it goes back to what I said in this opening segment about Max Protect and the lack of stunting and blitzing. I really thought the ball would be put up for grabs more frequently than what it was. But the reality is, Again, these coaches know what they need to see. They know what they're looking for. They know what they're trying uh, to get from their defensive guys. And, you know, we didn't we didn't get the turnover opportunities like we thought we would. So there's 0 for 1. Uh, you ready for 0 for 2? I said that Oklahoma's offense would produce two 100-yard rushers. Again, wrong uh, and not even close. Javante Barnes had the most rushing yards of anybody on the team with 49 yards on 13 carries. Now, as a team, they did run for 220 yards. What I didn't expect was for them to just keep rotating guys the way they did. I, I thought, really, here's what I thought would happen. I thought I thought Marcus Major would be the first guy in. It wasn't. It was Tavy Walker. Uh, I thought Javante Barnes would come in and kind of take over. Um, you know, Gavin Salchuk wasn't wasn't for sure whether he was in or whether he was out. Apparently he was going to play this coming week uh, against SMU, but I really thought they would kind of hit the stride with the two backs. Um, I thought Dylan Gabriel would run more than he did. I'm glad he didn't. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, only two rushing attempts, 15 yards. Uh, and then he had the, he had the touchdown, but um yeah, I was off on that. Javante Barnes, 13 carries, 49 yards. Tavi Walker had eight carries, 44 yards. He actually finished third, even though he was was the starter. Marcus Major, nine carries, 31 yards. Um, and then Dylan Smothers, uh, the freshman, seven carries, 16 yards. I, I want to come back to Tavi Walker real fast while we're on this and just say this. 5.5 yards per carry. Now, it was over eight carries, okay? So it's not like he carried twice for 11 yards. He had like a 10-yard run and a one-yard run. Eight times, 44 yards, two touchdowns, 5.5 yards per carry. I still say uh, soon this running back room will give way to Javante Barnes and Gavin Salchuk. Uh, soon that's going to happen, but you got to give Taby Walker kudos and credit for coming in there. Even though, uh, he was third on the team, uh, in rushing attempts, he still, <coughs> excuse me, of the running backs, he was the highest in yards per carry average at 5.5. So, uh, again, give him that credit, uh, where it was credit, where credit was due. Now I did say, I did say Arkansas state would have less than 50 rushing yards. And this is the one I got right. Uh, I, I hit this one on the head. Um, you're, oh, you barely got it, but I did get it. 48, uh, 48 yards and 23 rushing attempts for the, um, for the Red Wolves, 2.1 yards per attempt. And this is just me um, looking at what I thought this defensive line was going to bring compared to what the struggles were with Arkansas State running the ball. They only averaged 88 rushing yards per game last season. So it wasn't a whole lot uh, to go out on a limb and, and say less than 50 yards, but I did get that one right. That makes me one for two. And the reality is that's the only one uh, that I got right. I was close on another one. We'll get to that. But I said that Dylan Gabriel will account for four touchdowns. You know, and I know that this could have been this could it could have been eight touchdowns, but Gabriel only played the first half. In my brain, I see him going into the third quarter, getting one or two possessions into the third quarter. I didn't see the massive onslaught coming the way it did, um, and so Dylan Gabriel's with with three touchdowns, but uh, 
but not not four. So I, I was wrong, but I was close to being right. Uh, Gabriel, you know you know these stats by now because it's going to be Tuesday at the earliest when you listen to this. 308 passing yards, two touchdowns, and then I just talked about the 15 rushing yards and and the other touchdown. He could. He could have had four easily. He could have had five or six easily uh, if he gets time in the third quarter. But again, Brent Venables didn't consult me on that. Uh, my last... My last uh, prediction uh, going into the game, I missed it again, but I said Angel Anthony would lead Oklahoma in receiving yards. Now, I'm going to say, I am going to admit that I was wrong on this, okay? I was wrong. Nick Anderson led the team in yards, two catches, 68 yards, um, averaged 34 yards a catch. And we always said Nick Anderson had the type of potential to be a big play guy. Well, he showed it. Andrew Anthony, three catches, 66 yards. He was second on the team. Here's the thing. When they started pulling the starters out, and when Andrew Anthony got got yanked, he was leading the team. Um, Nick Anderson just kind of comes in there and does what hopefully we see him do uh, for a long time. Uh, but uh, catching a 52-yard pass kind of sets you up pretty well um, to, to lead the team, even though Andrew Anthony had the 45-yard reception on the opening possession. And here's the other thing. You got to look at Andrew Anthony. Again, I'm, I'm not... I'm wrong. I mean, he had three catches, 66 yards, second on the team in receiving yards. But what he brought in terms of speed and the penalties that he moved the ball just by by drawing flags because Arkansas State could not run with him, that's a big deal. That's a really, really big deal, particularly if Brennan Thompson gets healthy and is able to get back into this mix. you got another speed guy uh, that you're going to add to this offense when Brennan Thompson is ready to jump in there. But what you saw from Angel Anthony, what I saw from Angel Anthony, what the world saw from Angel Anthony is going to cause some headaches because you're going to have, I mean, you're, you can't, you're a fool as a defensive coordinator at this point. If you don't play over the top, if you don't rotate over the top of him with downfield help, you're killing yourself because of what he brings that leaves guys like, you know, Jaden Gibson coming in. He's so, I mean, I don't know how long Drake Stoops is going to be out. They said he could have come back in. Um, you know, it's a sprained shoulder, but do you, do you bring him back against SMU? Do you sit him out? So that guys like Jaden Gibson, guys like Jaquez Petaway uh, are going to maybe have more run. By the way, Petaway, nine catches uh, on the day last Saturday. Uh, but even a guy like Gavin Freeman is probably going to get more run based on what happens with Drake Stoops. So, uh, you know, look, Nick Anderson uh, is is getting that the the nod for the 68 yards receiving leading the team, but but dang, Angel Anthony is going to bring a lot to this team, and he's going to do a lot of good for this um, for this team, and a lot of a lot of bad for opposing defenses because you got to figure out a way. And if you're playing over the top of him and running him deep, that's going to open up more things underneath. Keep in mind, we didn't see Austin Stogner um, involved in this offense outside of a blocker. Um, Blake Smith was the guy that, um, Blake Smith was the guy that, uh, um, what am I trying to tell you? Blake Smith was the tight end who caught the pass on, on Saturday. But um, I, I think you're going to see things open up more 
probably what you're going to see is Andrew Anthony run deep. You got a guy covering over the top of him. And then you're going to see the tight end come across mid-range to shallow uh, because that safety is going back. Uh, it's just going to open so much more open uh, for, for Dylan Gabriel, Jackson Arnold, these guys that are going to be slinging the ball. This offense, in my opinion, I know you lost Marvin Mims. I know you lost Eric Gray. I know you lost guys from the line to the NFL. But this offense looked good. It was humming. It looked efficient. It looked precise. It looked fast. We're going to jump into that because I've got some thoughts and observations uh, from the game. I want to tell you, here's what we learned about this team on Saturday moving forward before the SMU game. So let's talk about some things we learned about this team. Uh, we already talked about the Andrew Anthony effect. Uh, Tammy Walker getting that, the, that start at running back. I know we've talked about him as well. That was a surprise to me. I don't know how you felt about it, uh, but to me, I was shocked that it was Tammy Walker, not Marcus Major, because the kind of the, the narrative that we created as fans that the media created was, hey, we're rewarding Marcus Major for all of his work, for every, doing everything right, getting back with his team, getting healthy, getting eligible, everything that he's gone through to be here now in this moment, we are rewarding him because Javante Barnes, Gavin Sawchuk have been banged up and have been limited participants in, in fall camp. And then, oh yeah, by the way, Tavy Walker's been working really hard as well and looks good. So I thought, and I know I'm not alone on this. I, in fact, I would probably call you a liar if you were to say to me right now on this moment, yeah, Matt, I, I knew it'd be Tawee Walker. I would probably call you a liar. Probably. Not saying I would, but I probably would. Because everyone thought it was going to be Marcus Major. And it was Tawee Walker. And I've already talked about the stats. I've already talked about how hard he worked. And 5.5 yards of carry, two touchdowns, good for him. I'm curious to see now. What happens with SMU? Because Gavin Salchuk's working his way back. Javante Barnes was working his way back. He ended up being the guy who got most of the carries. Now, I'm recording this Monday night. The depth chart should be coming out around Tuesday. Do we see Javante Barnes shoot back up to that on that depth chart, or is he still down below Taylor Walker and Marcus Major? And I, I, what I think is going to happen is you're going to see Javante Barnes get more reps. And you're if Solchek's able to go, he's probably going to get the load around what we saw um, Javante Barnes get against Arkansas State. That means someone's getting less carries. Now, we know Dylan Smothers, that's, that's a garbage time thing. He did look good, but that's, that's a if we're winning by a billion, you get in the game type situation at this point. Not because of talent, but because of depth ahead of him. So who takes a step back this week if Gavin Salchuk comes into the, into the mix? Um, that's that's something that we're going to look at. But what what we saw, what we observed, what we learned about this team, they're deep at running back, and it looks like it's it's look like it looks like it's quality depth. It really does. Um, and so the second observation, the th second thing we learned about this team on Saturday was something we again we've already talked about, but Andrew Anthony. I mean that 45 yard pass. On the opening drive, sets up the Drake Stoops touchdown. It just lets you know, 
man, this guy's here and you're going to have to deal with him. And what Arkansas State started doing was we're just going to yank his shoulder pad. We're going to pull him to the ground. We're going to take 15 yards as opposed to giving up 40 yards. Not every team is going to do that. Everyone's going to have to scheme to him. But what he brings to the table is the real deal. And and he was a question mark. So why are you talking about him so much? I'm talking about him so much because he was a question mark. He was he was limited. He was used limitedly at Michigan. He was the offensive co-offensive player of the year two seasons ago. Seldom used last year. Then he comes to Oklahoma, and all you hear about is his speed and his speed and his speed. Well, guess what? His speed was real, and his hands looked pretty good. As also, sometimes you have guys who are super super fast, but they can't catch. That doesn't appear to be the case with Anthony. He looks super, super fast and he can catch. And the other thing that you get out of this guy is he's over six feet tall. So you, we, we, we spent a lot of time, or at least I did, comparing Brennan Thompson to Hollywood Brown. It could be that we're looking at Andrew Anthony being a bigger version, 6'1", 192, a bigger version of Hollywood Brown, meaning he's going to be a more physical player, a guy that can not just beat you downfield, but also can beat you with a block, uh, can, can you know, a safety or a defensive back, might get out physical by him. This is a, this is a guy that I think is setting himself up in this Jeff Levy offense to have a really, really dang good season. And we're basing off of three catches. But we're basing off of more than that. We're basing it off what we saw uh, in the downfield passing game. And I look, I, I don't know that I can, you know, they talk about beating a dead horse. So I don't want to keep doing that. But wow. Um, here's the other thing we, we learned about this team on Saturday uh, in the 73 to nothing victory over Arkansas State is that the return game is back. You know, if, if you were, the, Oklahoma football got to the point that if you were watching the game on television, you pretty much know a commercial break is following a punt. So the other team punts to Oklahoma, then it's going to go to commercial break. And you can get a head start on whatever you're going to do on the commercial break. Go refill your beverages, grab you a snack, go to the bathroom, check your email, whatever you're going to do. You could do that basically at the time the punter kicked the ball because you knew down the field, there was going to be a fair catch. I think fair catch days are over in Norman. And what Gavin Freeman did, absolutely electrifying. Uh, and and it wasn't just the, the flash of speed. It was the way he moved his hips, the way he jukes guys. Yes, Arkansas State. But that's a punt return that I think would score against a lot of people because Gavin Freeman gets all the credit and the dude was spectacular but the way they set up the blocking, the way they, the guys, I mean, Gavin Freeman's not running in the end zone by himself. And whenever you got a guy that's waltzing into the end zone with you, if you go back and look at it, if you don't remember, they're going to the end zone basically with their arms are all across each other's shoulders. It lets you know he had a convoy of blockers that just set it up perfectly for him as well. So yeah, he made some moves. He made some guys miss, but he had other guys on that punt return team running with them. Team effort at the end of the day, Gavin Freeman, that was the play of the week, in my opinion, uh, for Oklahoma football. But it was a team effort, and it lets you know you got to take this return game seriously. And 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 it's not just setting up for when you when you talk about 
guys like Andrew Anthony and bringing speed back to this offense. Uh, when you talk about adding Brennan Thompson and the speed of this offense, when you talk about the depth and, and what Jackson Arnold brought uh, as a second string quarterback, when you talk about um, the, the punt return game and, and the physicality of the defense, that's not just sending a message for teams in 2023. You're getting ready to, to transition from the big 12 to the sec in 2024. And when you, you see what Brent Venables has added to this roster from year one to year two. You got it. You can't help but just get excited from year two to year three. Not that we want to rush through year two because I think it's going to be a lot of fun. But the point is, this roster is turning over. The mentality of this team is changing, and we saw it pretty much. In, in every facet of the game. Uh, let's talk about a couple more things that we learned. Uh, we learned that um, the secondary was aggressive and it was physical. Two guys that come to mind uh, off the top of my head, Reggie Pearson um, with, you know, Reggie Pearson gets the, uh, Reggie Pearson gets the penalty. Uh, and I love the penalty. I loved it because it's, it's a mentality. Okay. So, so you can say, Oh, it's a, it's a boneheaded dumb play. No, it's not. It sets the tone against an inferior opponent. It tells them, we know you're inferior, and we know there's nothing you can do about it. And, I mean, Reggie Pearson's out of bounds. Quarterback's running right at him. Reggie Pearson's not moving. Just kind of dropped the shoulder a little bit, and the quarterback went down hard. 15 yards. But what happened the very next play? Reggie Pearson, tackle for loss. And then you look at Ginger Williams lowering the boom on the swing pass, and, and it was jawing. Uh, it was these guys, you know, they, they weren't, if you look across the board, not just in the defensive secondary, across the board, there was no finesse in these players. They were the bullies. Now, Arkansas State didn't have the guys that could really be there and, you know, bully them back. But, but they, Oklahoma did what they, I mean, you can only play the guys that are in front of you, right? No one on this team set the schedule. And if you remember right, the schedule kind of got out of whack because the move to the SEC. But the reality is I want to see what happens against, SMU is going to be a step up in athleticism. I don't know if they're going to be a step up in attitude. Tulsa is going to be a step up and athleticism from Arkansas State, probably not on the same level as SMU. So we're really not going to know until conference play rolls around. But the reality is, at this point, these guys are aggressive, they're physical, and you got to love that because if you're like me, you got tired of seeing the finesse. This is really, really good stuff. Two more things real quick. Um, number one, the uh, the speed of play. It was hot. Um, on Saturday and what Jeff Levy, you know, he said multiple times last year, I want to go faster. I want to go faster on offense, uh, but they just didn't. They, they couldn't, uh, too much transition. Losing Caleb Williams, bringing Dylan Gabriel, you know, all these things in transition that happened. They went fast on Saturday in brief stints, but I mean, you, you saw Arkansas State faking some injuries. There were some real injuries. I'm, I don't want to be that guy that screams that every I don't want to be that guy that screams that every injury is a fake to slow down the offense because there were, I believe, some legitimate injuries there. But on the other side of that is there were some guys just kind of taking a dive so everyone else could catch their breath. 
and and Oklahoma was mad about it. And I think what they did, they went even faster after that. Oh, you think this is fast? Well, watch what we can do next. It was ridiculous how fast they went, and it was ridiculous how effective they were. And when you talk about things that make a defensive coach go, oh, man, what are we going to do about this? We talked about Andrew Anthony. You got to talk about the speed of this defense, uh, the speed of this offense, and what it's going to do to your defense because it's going to limit you in opportunity to transition players on and off the field. You got a guy that's in the middle of your defense and he's gassed. Sorry, you got to fake. You got to fake an injury to get that guy off the field because this team is going to go so so fast and they're going to wear you out across the board. I love the speed of play. And I think that's going to be something that, again, as you move into more intense games, that you see happen with more regularity. And then here's the final thing uh, that really became evident what we learned about this team uh, on Saturday against Arkansas State. Oklahoma had a clear advantage at every single position. Across the board, Oklahoma was better. The better quarterback, the better running backs, the better offensive line, the better defensive line, the better defensive backs, the better receivers, the better tight ends. Across the board, Oklahoma was better at every single position. That's why the score was 73 to nothing. I don't think we ever saw a game last year where that was that was truthful across the board. We saw games where it was truthful as you know, talk about 22 guys on the field, what well, 20 of the 22 probably better than their counterparts on the other sideline. I don't know that we, I really don't think we, because of the lack of depth of all the transition and all the turnover, I don't know that we saw a game last year where Oklahoma across the board had the better athletes. And that's something, again, that Butch Jones talked about after the game, the transition of this roster and how much better this team was on the field as opposed to what they saw on film in 2022. So if you're looking for reasons to be enthusiastic and excited about Oklahoma football in 2023, there are a bang load of them out there, a bang load of them out there following last Saturday. Now, if you're looking for reasons to like be frustrated and concerned and have your gripes, you can cherry pick, you can cherry pick some things, but I mean, come on, 73 to nothing. And you know, you you get the shutout. It's got to look pretty good. Um, all right, so let's go. Let's talk real fast. Big Twelve. We'll close out this podcast. I'm trying to do more short and to the point podcasts this season. Uh, help my time, help your time, because I, I love doing it. It's a passion of mine. Um, I love getting stuff out there to you guys, and I love the the interaction and so forth. But um, sometimes you got to go shorter, right? Uh, UCF impressive on on uh, on this opening weekend. They played Thursday night. Um, Oklahoma, obviously, we, we broke down what they did. Uh, Kansas State also pitching a shutout. Southeast Missouri State. Um, Cincinnati. Again, Eastern Kentucky, how good are these teams really? But Cincinnati posting 66 points. That was impressive. Then you get into the games where you're like, you know, you won, but... And you look at Texas right there, 37 to 10 over Rice at home. Um, people aren't happy already with Quinn Ewers after just one game. Again, I think that's you know separating fan bases. Oklahoma, too, has a five-star recruit at quarterback waiting in the wings. Um, 
there's always been guys who were anti Dylan Gabriel just because he wasn't Caleb Williams. But the noise is coming out of Austin. I'm really curious. There's no way. There's no way Sark is going to go to the Manning kid this soon into his career. I'm just wondering what the noise level is going to be like. Uh, Texas with the 21-point third quarter to really distance himself uh, from Rice by the final score of 37-10. to Oklahoma State, there's problems. There are so many problems with Oklahoma State. Uh, we saw it. Um, it it's there. Uh, the same thing that seemed always to be there. Uh, they don't know who their quarterback is uh, following Spencer Sanders' departure and then the offensive line. Was just atrocious. Houston, a three-point uh, win over UTSA. That's actually not a bad win for Houston. When you think about what the expectation was for the Cougars, uh, yeah, it's a three-point win over UTSA. But the reality is, it's a win, and Dana Holgerson is going to need to get a lot of those this season. Now, let's talk about the guys who made the Big Twelve look bad. TCU, uh, yeah, you think you're missing uh, Garrett Riley? Maybe not, because Garrett Riley didn't coach defense. 45 points to the Colorado Buffaloes on Saturday on your own field in Fort Worth, Texas. Colorado, 45-42 to 42 over TCU. Uh, the Frogs are going to have to win by outscoring teams this year. Hey, and I, let me let me throw something out. Let's just go backwards for just a second. Iowa State with a 30-9 win over Northern Iowa. That was impressive. When you think about... Everything that happened to this team as the season's getting ready to start with that gambling scandal, you didn't know. You lost a running back. You lost quarterback. You, I mean, you just didn't know what was up. But to put the team together that they have, uh, that they defensively, Northern Iowa, Northern Iowa didn't score a touchdown um, until the fourth quarter. So they were down, uh, what was it, 30-3 to three at the end of the third quarter. So... Good for you, Matt Campbell, even though you kind of get on my nerves. Baylor looked really bad. Baylor was like a 21-and-a-half-point favorite losing to Texas State. Is is Dave Aranda, is, is that luster, is that shine rubbing off? Because he came in and did a really good job with uh, Matt Rule's guys. Uh, but it's kind of been downhill from there. Uh, tell me what's happening. Uh, you know, what's the pulse of Waco, Texas right now after you are a 21-and-a-half-point favorite and you lose at home – 42 to 31 to Texas State and then Texas Tech going down and losing in Wyoming. Again, Texas Tech talked a lot of trash. A lot of noise came out of Lubbock, Texas before this season started. You can't go on the road to Wyoming and lose in overtime. You can go on the road to Clemson and lose in overtime. You can go on the road to North Carolina and lose in overtime. I don't know why I'm only picking ACC schools. Let's go to the Pac-12. You can go on the road to, to UCLA. You can go on the road to USC, and you can lose in overtime. You can make a trip to Happy Valley, and you can lose in overtime. You can go to Ann Arbor and lose in overtime, and it'd be okay. You can't go to Wyoming and lose in overtime, and and then everything's going to be okay. And And guess what? For Texas Tech, it doesn't really get any better going into week two because you're back home, but you're playing Oregon, who, oh, by the way, uh, you thought OU's 73 points was a lot on Saturday. Uh, Oregon put up 81. Now, it was, it was Portland State, but they put up 81, and they're bringing that madness into Lubbock, Texas uh, on Saturday. Not a lot of time to turn around for the Texas Tech Red Raiders. 
So that's going to close the door. Oklahoma, Arkansas State, uh, that's 73 to nothing whipping. We're closing the door on that. We're moving forward to start talking about SMU uh, the rest of the way through for this week. You can find us uh, online every day, heartland-sports.com. I will have my five predictions up uh, for the SMU game. Uh, we'll have thoughts uh, leading up to it. Um, We've got our Big 12 power rankings there right now and so forth. So, uh, hey, find us there, heartland-sports.com. Find us on Twitter, at Sports Heartland. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great week. It should be a short week, right? Everyone's off for Labor Day? No, because the people who work in the restaurant industry and the gas stations and all that stuff, we don't forget you guys. Uh, Thanks for helping us out as we were enjoying our day off. Um, Enjoy your week, everybody. Have a fun week. We'll talk later. SMU. Boomer Sooner. Bye.